Well, I'll miss you guys, but I'll see you when you get back. Good, yeah. So, Matakweyasin, we're out of here. Yeah. Mike Freeney's coming up next. Pandora's Lunchbox. Try to remember, we're all related. A box of chocolates Would I know To stay away oh, I said Hand off his box A box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe That means I have Half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, and food is what we're all about, unless we cover other subjects. Today we're going to look at a few restaurant goings-on in Ann Arbor and Berlin, of course, the two sister cities, or maybe not. But you may have noticed, if you're in Ann Arbor, that there are several new businesses right around West Liberty and First Streets. And some of these brand new businesses have been around for a really long time, even though they're brand new. It's really strange. One of the businesses is called Two Frank Sausages. Two Frank Sausages. That's T-O-O, Frank Sausages. It's a pun. It's been around since 1925, and it just opened its first outlet. Also in that neighborhood of First and Liberty, did I say First and Liberty? I believe I did, is a restaurant that is called the Black Oak Cafe. It used to be Pizza Pino, now it's the Black Oak Cafe, and then it's going to be Pizza Pino again. Finally, the former Schlenker Hardware Building has been rechristened as Little Grocer, the ghetto's premier coffee shop. Why is that? Because Hollywood is in town, Tinseltown is in town, the town is Tinsel, and Tinsel is food. So, while we're on that subject of fake restaurants and real life, let's listen to some music by Frank Zappa. Of course, this is Uncle Meat. Mmm.
And there you go. That That's Frank Zappa. And that is Uncle Meat, the main title theme from Uncle Meat, from his album, strangely called Un- Uncle Meat. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about meat and other kinds of food and culture. And meat, why meat? Because Why not meat? But be, there is a business that doesn't exist that is now existent in Ann Arbor called Two Frank Sausages that is actually a part of a movie set for a movie called Youth in Revolt that's being filmed right now in Ann Arbor because the state of Michigan has offered Mongo Big Time tax break incentive things for people who film in the state and as a matter of fact they're the most generous tax incentives in the nation for filmmakers and so suddenly people have dropped everything from around the world and rushed to michigan to make films and so we have youth in revolt there are yellow signs pointing to the set that say why i are on it youth in revolt that's the secret message i can now reveal and the movie stars michael Sarah, who has been in juno and Superbad and other movies the movie Youth in Revolt is based on the C.D. Payne novel of the same name, and it stars Sarah as a 14-year-old named Nick Twisp. And actually, I'm going to get this from the Ann Arbor News, from the Internet Movie Database. So this is straight from the source, third time removed. Nick is an average boy trying to lose his virginity and win the love of Shenny Sanders. In his pursuit of Shenny, he ends up burning down half of Berkeley, California, shooting her father, running away to India, and inventing the Wart Watch. That's just Ann Arbor in a nutshell. And I don't know why it's not set here, but it is filmed here, and it is set somewhere else but filmed here. And it doesn't exist, but you can see it if you go down to First and Liberty. Film is non-existent and imaginary. In the meantime... We're going to talk about that and sausages a little bit later on the show. But I have a friend who went to a restaurant that does exist, but it's called a dark restaurant. And why is it called a dark restaurant? Well, it's my friend Richie Dushan, radio announcer, also lover of culture and enormous amounts of food as I am. And he and Emily, his love, went to Berlin some years ago, where they got engaged. They slept in a castle the first night. They did other assorted things, and they ended up at a dark restaurant. And I think we'll let uh, Richie pick up the story right here. Richie? The way it works is you you sort of come in, and you can sit down, and you can have a drink if you like. Um, and they bring you a menu, and you look over the menu. Now, are you in the restaurant yet, or are you... You're actually just outside the restaurant. So there's a sort of lobby area where there is a bar um but there's kind of like a almost it's almost like a concierge desk where there's a host a host is greeting you okay and uh and you can go and you can sit inside or you can sit outside which we did because it was a nice night but you're sort of waiting before you actually go into the restaurant but it's different in that sense in that they give you the menu to look at before you go into the restaurant okay and so we decided to start looking over the menu, and um, you're not given quite as much information to go on as on most menus. Okay. So uh, basically, you can choose from vegetarian, meat, poultry, or fish, and from there, uh, it's basically you know that it's a four course meal. But as far as what is actually in those four courses, uh, it's sort of a mystery. So it's kind of written like riddles, and you, <laughs> it's it's really bizarre. And so you, you're looking at this, and you sort of know, okay, well, I'm going to get a salad, and I'm going to get a soup, and an entree, and a dessert. But from there, it's anybody's guess, actually, what those what what food will be on your plate at each of those individual courses. 
I don't remember them verbatim, but I remember that our entree was something along something along the lines of, and we ordered the vegetarian uh, meals. Um, both of us did, and it was something along the lines of. This noodle was invented by the Japanese who um, invented a certain type of wheat, or, or the Japanese invented this certain type of wheat noodle many centuries ago, and it was something along those lines, and that was it, and it was sort of all you, you knew. Um, and, and you know what? They might not have even said noodle. I think that was... That might have been too much information. That was too much information, okay. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... What did you do next? So from there, um, our our waitress um, was brought out to take us to our table. And usually that's the host's job, but and this is a special kind of restaurant. So um, our waitress, her name was Sandy, she came and she asked um, us, uh, me in particular, to put my hands on her shoulders and then for Emily to put her hands on my shoulders and to take us back. To our table, and we formed oh. a little train on our way to the table. And the reason that uh, Sandy, our waitress, asked us to put our hands on her shoulders and make a train is because we go around several bends, we make several U-turns, three or four approximately, and all the light goes away. Oh. It becomes 100% pitch black. There is zero light in the restaurant whatsoever. There are no oh. cell phones, no lighters, no light at all allowed in pitch this restaurant. Black. 100% pitch black. If you've ever been into a cave or someplace where there is no light, it's a very bizarre experience because your eyes are trying to adjust. They, you know, your your pupils dilate and they want light. They're looking for light, but there's nothing. It was a, an incredible experience for us because to walk into a place like that and have um, have to try and feel your way around for your chair and then all of the rest of your utensils and drinks. Um, everybody was speaking German, uh-huh. <laughs> which <laughs> which we don't. So <laughs> so it was a uh, it was a really disorienting uh, experience all around and a complete blast. Wow! And how was the food? The food was okay. It was it was not the best meal we had in Germany, but. Um, and I think what is sort of the, the really fun part about the food is that they they really try and incorporate lots of different textures and flavors. So they're not flavors that really I felt like went terrifically together, but they were definitely really diverse and the textures were really diverse. So you had like something very crunchy and then something very soft and they kind of, you know, so you're really always trying to kind of decipher and remember we have no idea what we're eating. <laughs> and so, you know, you're always trying to, it's kind of a fun challenge to decipher what it is you're actually eating. And Emily was uh, so uh, curious that she actually took some of the food and put it in her purse <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to take out with us so we could see what it was later. Okay. <laughs> uh, was it gooey food or was it... Uh... Was it purse purse friendly food? I mean, well, purse friendly inside of a napkin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah. uh, now all the wait staff. 
all of the wait staff was visually impaired and or blind, completely blind. Okay. And um, and that's, you know, one of the things that makes it such a unique restaurant is that they are all blind. And Sandy in particular was completely blind. And it's just fascinating. And, and sort of, I think one of the missions of the restaurant is to try and get you to you know, sort of put yourself in their shoes and it's it's nearly impossible to do in two hours over one meal. But you get the feeling of, you know, what it's like to sort of explore your world spatially through other senses and flavors. And, you know, um, like by the end of the meal, I kind of had a really good sense as to where my beer was. Like oh, I, okay. I felt like my 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 sense of the space around us was was really enhanced much and i, I was just paying it much more attention to it than i would you know at, at any other restaurant i felt like i was hearing a lot of things i felt like my this sort of like field of hearing was kind of i don't know uh, more stimulating than it usually is mm-hmm. i could hear and one of the other interesting things that the the, the wait staff does um because they can't see each other and nobody can see anybody else actually mm-hmm. is um is they'll sort of give audio uh cues to each other as they're walking so they'll you know clap or they'll snap their fingers or whistle and do little things to sort of let each other know that they're you know I'm on my way or I'm passing by or here's where I am and that right was that kind month. of fun Sandy's voice was like you know, music to our ears when we could sort of hear where she was moving around in the restaurant and kind of, you know, when you're when you're at your typical restaurant, and you kind of see what section your your you know waiter or waitress has. Um, you know, this was like we just had to sort of listen for it and she would kind of come and go and we could hear her. And that's the other fun part is, you know, it's sort of considered rude in most restaurants. And if you've ever worked at one, you sort of know you know, to have somebody kind of yell out your name, it's hey, sort you. of, yeah, I it's more water. Yeah, hey, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of condescending. So, but this is sort of, you really encouraged like, Sandy, I have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so you're sort of encouraged to, to call out for her when you need her for this, that, or the other. It was really, really fun. It, it was just, it was just a really neat experience to sort of put yourself somewhere that is, completely disorienting, um, play with your food with your hands, have it be totally sanctioned and okay and encouraged to just kind of, you know, be clumsy and, you know, and also sort of learn something about what it's like for, for someone, you know, who whose senses are impaired, be it sight or sound or whatever. And the place is again, what's the place called? It's called Unsicht Bar, which I think is a made-up word, maybe, or sort of like a hybridized word, but we just called it, we translated it as Unsight Bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> over the other entrance, over specifically the entrance from the outside courtyard into uh, the restaurant, it says Dunkel Bar, um, and that it just means dark. There's a, a style of beer there that's called Dunkel, and so that just sort of means dark. So it's kind of like dark restaurant. Hi, it's Pandora's Lunchbox, and I was talking there to Richie Dushan who is a radio announcer and also lover of enormous amounts of food with many textures. He was talking about going to a dark restaurant in Berlin, 
with Emily, who is now his wife, I'm happy to say, and talking about a restaurant staffed by visually impaired and blind people, a restaurant that is that is dark, and it was a learning experience for him and a very interesting story to hear about. From there, we have a restaurant that challenges our perceptions to, in fact, perceptions being just perceptions when you talk about a film crew coming into Michigan and into Ann Arbor. Clint Eastwood is allegedly in the area. There's been much talk about Drew Barrymore doing a movie in Ypsilanti and Celine, and now we have in Ann Arbor, Youth in Revolt, on the corner of William... No, no, no. Yes. Liberty, in fact, and First Street. I went down there the other night. After about 8 o'clock, we were allowed to hang out, and I should say it's been an interesting experience. I, I heard, first of all, that it wasn't going to be filmed in Ann Arbor, and then it was filmed in Ann Arbor. And then I heard that none of the principals were going to be in Ann Arbor, and then Michael Sarah appeared in Ann Arbor, one of the main actors, who was in Juno. He appeared. And then I heard that there was going to be an accident, quote-unquote, that is a part of the movie. We, we read that in the Ann Arbor News, you and I perhaps about cars crashing, explosions, trashing the front of the restaurant, two Frank sausages, which looked very, very nice when it was first put together not too long ago. And it turned out actually that happened yesterday. So I don't know if it's actually going to happen now or what reality is or what the meaning of life is nonetheless. But here, here Michigan has offered up to 42% back for the costs a producer incurs on everything from key grips to honey, honey trucks. Okay, I'm reading this out of the Wall Street Journal, so I don't know what a honey truck is. I think it's a truck loaded with nectar, but I'm not really sure. And, mmm, uh, Marwolf says, mmm, Marwolf is here to help us to face the music at 7 o'clock. Now, there's been a lot of talk of, is this a great idea to give really, really generous film incentives, the most generous in the country, to have people drop their projects and drop your projects and walk over and work in Michigan to make films. Michigan has a budget deficit of more than $400 million for the fiscal year that begins October 1st. So hopefully when people come in, they'll stay in Michigan. They will keep working here. But lots of other places are clamoring for Hollywood's attention, and that could happen. We have to... A fellow in the Wall Street Journal said that for Michigan to succeed, they have to knock off a Toronto that's from Richard Florida, who's a University of Toronto business professor. He says that Toronto has already leveraged hefty rebates into a huge infrastructure and very deep networks that cultivate a thriving film industry. And recently, Michael Moore was saying that Michigan needs to start training people fast and getting skilled people who can do films whenever people from Hollywood show up to do films in the state. So it's all very interesting. Meanwhile, there is the barely now existent, because of the hulking smoking wreck in front of it, the Two Frank Sausages restaurant, which didn't exist a few weeks ago and has been established since 1925. And I think this song has a few sausages in it. We're going to talk more about sausages in a second. But first, I think, see if you can spot the sausage. Pardon my expression. Thank you. 
Did you find the hidden sausage? Yeah. That's Brian Eno and Backwater from the album Before and After Science, and that is Backwater. And they mentioned a sausage a couple of times. Did you catch that? That's very exciting. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about sausages and about non-existent restaurants that exist. I was at the set a little last night near the corner of Liberty and First, where Youth in Revolt is sitting. So going back earlier in the week when they had this beautiful window with this lovely gold-colored lettering saying, Two Frank Sausages, established 1925, and a woman inside stocking the shelves. And And I took a few pictures, got away with it, you know. And now it's all smashed, and there's a hulking wreck of a car in front of it, covered in just this charred remains of a car. People walked by last night as I was watching, and they would take pictures of it, but the security people told them to stay on the other side of the street, but we could get sort of close to it. And it was fun to just sit there for a long time and hear new people come along and go, ooh, is that the movie? And then after a while, ooh, is that the movie? And so on. Youth in Revolt being filmed there. After a while, we started to smell something kind of unpleasant, and a little smoke started coming up from the hulking wreck of the car and the van that was there, and... Soon we were being asked to evacuate, and that was fine because it didn't smell so good. But there you go. Songs about sausages, non-existent sausages in non-existent restaurants that have been around for a long time. A few sausage bits for you before we go. This out of Wikipedia, why are sausages called bangers in England? That's an important question. Due to their habit of often exploding due to shrinkage of the tight skin during cooking, sausages are commonly referred to as bangers, particularly when served with the most common accompaniment of mashed potatoes to form the dish called bangers and mash. The designation banger is also said to have arisen during World War II when scarcity of meat led many sausage makers to add water to the mixture, making it more likely to explode on heating. So you see the connections between exploding sausages, exploding cars. It all really makes sense. Although sometimes stated that the term bangers has its origins in World War II, the term was actually in use at least as far back as 1919. Sausages may also be baked in batter to create toad in the hole, often served with gravy and onions. Famously, they are an essential component of a full English bloody breakfast, and that is absolutely true. Also, sausages here, this is actually speaking of fake films that don't really exist, or real films of fake situations that... Fossilized sausages could reveal the colors of dinosaurs. Did you know that? This is from The Hindu, a magazine out of wherever it's out of. If scientists are to be believed, the latest edition of the Jurassic Park movie, might, speaking movies again, my God, might not be any more scientifically accurate than the others, but it could at least get the colors of dinosaurs right. An international team has discovered evidence that 100-million-year-old fossilized bird feathers preserve microscopic color-containing pouches, which, if decoded, could reveal the actual colors of dinosaurs. In their ongoing research, they fired electron beams onto an unidentified bird feather fossil to reveal precisely arranged packets that color plumage brown, black, and gray. This is important. These resemble similar structures on modern birds. They look like small sausages. They're elongated and rounded at the edges, the new scientist quoted team member Jacob Vinther of Yale University in Britain as saying. More rounded pouches make red and yellow plumage, while certain orientations create iridescent feathers. 
There we go. Knowing the color of dinosaur plumage could reveal something about their daily lives and ecology. We might also be able to tell whether they have sexual dimorphisms, and we all worry about that, whether males were more spectacularly colored than females, he said. The findings have been published in the Biology Letters Journal. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Time is running out. May you have enormous fun buying sausages while cars explode near you and dinosaurs show their plumage. Sausage. This is WCBM FM. This is WCBN FM and Arbor. It's like a, an ICBM in some ways musically. And this is the Butcher Shop Blues. Speaking of sausage, the Butcher Shop Blues. This is Bernice Edwards. Sausage. Much better now. Thank you, Mike. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. Exactly. That's the measurement. 
minute past seven, time for Face the Music. Uh, what you've just heard, in case you're just tuning in, was the Butcher Shop Blues sung by Bernice Edwards. That recording made in Fort Worth, Texas on Sunday, April 21st, 1935, and it came out on Vocalion Records originally. She was playing the piano and singing all by herself. From a Columbia collection, Raunchy Business, Hot Nuts and Lollipops. This evening on Face the Music, uh, even though I'm, I'd like to play songs about toilets or, uh, or maybe have a bunch of British comedians come through here or 